0: good morning everyone welcome to this part of the service <clears throat> I have uh, this morning titled the message the upside down leadership and I didn't didn't realize but uh, this Keith asked me this morning if that means that the we're going to be talking about leadership that turns the people upside down. So, <laughs> I I trust that that is not the case. <clears throat> um, rather, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, and I've been I've been intrigued by that passage where Jesus speaks about. Uh, in verses from 17 to 28, where Jesus speaks about those that desire to be great, and how we shall not lord it over, over the people like like the Gentiles, and and I, it's just a verse that that I have kind of had over the last number of years, just kind of tucked away back there somewhere, and I wasn't quite sure how to what what to do with it and and until uh, in in preparing for my last message i as i had contrasted the different values of the two kingdoms and this was one of the the contrasts was this verse how that um you know i'd use the contrast that as in the kingdom of this world we would you know, we we would maybe attain to be president, or, or we're working to attain a position or a, a a position of authority, and and I contrasted that with how Jesus told us to, to serve. And so, in preparing for that message, I think God has shown me something that I hadn't seen before in that passage, especially the last uh, verses, uh, the last several verses. Um, and so, we're going to be looking at that. First of all, since we're all forgetful people, and I thought I thought maybe I would skip this, but then Wednesday night we were here, and uh, um, Bruce Wilkinson was talking about how important it is to to review and to um, and to 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 make sure that we're getting it. And so I want to make sure that you're getting what I'm talking about. So, who remembers? We're we're talking about the. Kingdom of God, how many messages have we done in this now? This is number five, yes. And who remembers the title of the first message? It was called the Kingdom of God, simply the Kingdom of God. And I talked about a a um what what that um you know, Jesus, the, the very reason that Jesus came is to preach the kingdom of God and that in, in contrast to, to a, uh, a our, lot of our Western thinking, it, the, the new birth is simply a part of that process. It is the entrance into the kingdom of God, which is then um, the theme of, of what Jesus taught. We saw that the kingdom of God is a the central theme of the New Testament. It's what the New Testament talks about. Um, we also saw, and I think this is important for us Americans to understand, that the kingdom of God is an autocracy. It is not a democracy. And it simply means that an autocracy is a kingdom that is ruled by one person, by one figure, rather than a democracy is designed with the with giving the citizens power or a right within that kingdom. As I mentioned, very contrary to our Western culture, the second message, the kingdom of God under attack. I, here I contrasted the um, the two kingdoms. Satan is prince of the kingdom of this world. and And he is... Obviously he's attacking, He's the kingdom of God is under attack from the prince of this world. And as people, we are caught up in this turmoil. Even, even though you might be a believer, you are saved, you are part of the kingdom of God, the fulfillment, the culmination of, of our salvation has not yet arrived. And so we are still caught up in that conflict. The third message was about a life of obedience and we seem to look at how important obedience is is in the life of a believer and I would like to for myself remember the story I I remember this because of the, the story of the prisoner that is being freed and a part of that process as as his deliverer comes to free him from enemy territory is that there are you know he, he tells him he gives him instructions on how to follow him out of enemy territory so by our obedience that is in essence what saves us from the enemy and so very important concept of the kingdom. <laughs> Last message that I talked about was the upside-down kingdom, and we simply contrasted. Um, we saw that every kingdom had a culture, and we are a part of one or the other. And we contrasted um, those two kingdoms, and we saw that the values that the what what one culture values is is exactly opposite of what the other culture values, and so these two are are in in conflict with each other and so this morning what i'd like to do is is i would like to look at leadership in light of the kingdom of god and contrast it with what leadership looks like from maybe a normal perspective what we might perceive as the typical authority or power or leadership um, and I'd, I'd simply like to see what Jesus, what Jesus has taught on the subject. And we're going to specifically be looking at. I'm uh, um, scriptures I have this morning are, except for one, I have one verse from Proverbs, but they're all from the life of from the Gospels, from the life of Jesus. And we're we're we want to we want to try to understand what how how Jesus did did leadership. <coughs> What I'm about to share this morning is, is also is, is just somewhat a a uh, somewhat my personal journey as I have um, yeah, as I've just studied this subject of what it looks like in 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 the home. What does leadership look like in the home? What does it look like in a church or a school or what does it look like in a place of business? How how according to what Jesus has taught how do we then how do we then lead in our in our homes or churches or or in your place of business? You might be um, you might have a, a title where you work and, and you have people working for you. And so so the question is you know, does what Jesus says in this in, in in all of the gospels actually, or all of the New Testament, does what he says, does it pertain to to your work? Or you know what you do. I would also like <coughs> this morning to, um, well, as I mentioned, I, I had struggled a little bit with with the title, calling it leadership, because I was afraid that I might I might lose some of you. Some of you are thinking that, well, um, I'm a mom at home and. I'm not necessarily a leader, or or maybe some of you girls are thinking, well, I, you know, I'm I'm still going to school. I, you know, does how does this? So, but I think that what Jesus has taught us is is we can all learn from it, and I think what we're going to see is that leadership is not necessarily a title or a position, and so all of us can learn. From what Jesus has to say, on the other hand, I think this morning I would also like to specifically speak to you guys this morning on the first three benches because God has has ordained different roles and and titles within um, he, he has shown us how to live and he and he, I'm thinking especially of 1 Corinthians 11 where he gives us the role of husbands and wives in relation to Christ and God and then then we also see that um, you know he has ordained pastors and church leaders and there's different functions and roles in that and so because you are growing up to be men you will be in those positions regardless of how well you practice the principles that Jesus has taught so it's important that we understand those principles that Jesus has taught because we will be we will be in a role of leadership <laughs> Before we go look at our scripture, I'd like to talk a little bit about how we view traditional leadership. And I have a quote here, a paragraph. I'm not sure who wrote it. I I found it um, yesterday as I was studying for this. And I think it sums up very well how, as American people, we, we tend to look at this whole thing of leadership. And it goes like this. The ideal of, quote, traditional top-down leadership is based on the myth of of the triumphant individual. It is a myth deeply ingrained in the Western psyche and unfortunately fostered and celebrated in the daily press, business magazines, and much of academic and popular writings. Whether it's the Midnight Rider, Paul Revere, or basketball's, Michael Jordan, or baseball's Mark McGuire, the U.S. as a nation is enamored of heroes, rugged self-starters who meet the challenges and overcome adversity. Our contemporary views of leadership are entwined with our notions of heroism so much that the distinction between leader and hero often becomes blurred. And as I, as I pondered on this, on on more of my my personal quest to understand this, I realized that what Jesus was talking about is is exactly what what as what we do as American people. We we are we see um, the heroes. We tend to let those people influence and shape our way of thinking so we are we are enamored with the successful and we often blur the lines between what real leadership is and celebrity someone just because someone is successful at their profession of work, Michael Jordan, or whether it's in business or whatever it is, does not necessarily mean that they are a great leader. However, as American people, we are, I think much more than we care to admit, we are heavily influenced by those types of people. How about, uh, how about Donald Trump? Donald Trump by he has been successful in business, whether you like the man or not. However, I question whether he would make a good leader. There's a second thing <clears throat> that I think plays into this, and it is in order to fill the God-shaped void in our lives, we strive to control and manip- manipulate. and so a part of our americanism is that we can achieve we can we can we can do what donald trump did you know we can we can be successful in business we can be we can attain positions of leadership whether we're leaders or not and if you think about that god-shaped void in our lives if that is not feel, filled by the Holy Spirit, then we need to try to put something in there, and it's very easy for us as American people to put financial success, business success. We can. There's lots of things that we can put into that void that that help us to to feel good for a while, and so. These two things, I believe, shape us very much. This is obviously um, this painting with a broad brush. I know that, you know, in business, in churches across our country, there have been, there are, and there will be many great leaders, men that practice, whether they're born again or not, men that practice some of these principles that Jesus speaks about. So let's look at what Jesus has taught in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 17. I want to start here. Um, well, let's, let's read. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify and the third day he will rise again now let's just stop right here for a little bit and let's just what Jesus just told them they're on the way to Jerusalem and on the way he took them aside and he said look this is what's going to happen The Son of Man, which they had prior to this, they had acknowledged Him. They had told, you know, they had said that He is the Christ. And so He tells them what is going to happen. Let's look at what happens next. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from Him. And He said to her, What do you wish? She said to Him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. Now, Jesus had just told them what's going to happen, and they still were not understanding exactly what is going to happen. They were still, if I can paraphrase, what they understood was going to happen is that we're going to go up to Jerusalem and there's going to be there's going to be a showdown. Something is going to happen. Jesus is going to bring in his kingdom and they're thinking earthly kingdom. And what are they thinking? They're thinking in that kingdom, once that is established, I want a position. I want a position of power and authority. I want to sit on... Jesus' left hand and and John on his left and James on the right, or however they were. I don't know if they were thinking that or not, but um and so they they were not at this point yet, which the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet, but they were not understanding what Jesus was teaching. Now let's move on. Verse 23. So he said to them, You will Indeed, drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Now listen, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So it wasn't that the other ten understood what Jesus was teaching. It was just they hadn't thought about asking first. <laughs> wish I had thought of that. So they were displeased because they also wanted a position. <clears throat> Verse 25, but Jesus called them to himself. So Jesus sees that they're not, they're, still, they're not getting it. And they're on the road to Jerusalem. And he calls them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is what Jesus tells them. He says, look, what you're asking for is exactly what the Gentiles do. You're asking for a position of power and here's, here's this was the eye opener for me. I realized that as I had read this passage for most of my life, I was still reading it the way the disciples were reading it too. I was thinking, okay, when you attain that position or when you have that power, just be humble about it. Don't don't lord it over the Gentiles. Don't, don't lord it over the people like the Gentiles do. Be humble in your power. But it was still a position that I was thinking about. And so this morning I would like to help us. There's five things I'd like to look at that, I, that helped me to understand that we need to look at this from a different perspective. We need to look at it from the perspective of the kingdom. And so if we are in the kingdom of God and we change, if we're in the kingdom of this world here and we move over here to the kingdom of God, we have a different perspective on the same issue. It's like you turn a coin around. It's the same thing but you have a different perspective. And so I think that's what Jesus is saying. We're looking at this upside down, if you will. So there's five things I'd like to look at this morning that have helped me to understand this that I think that we see in the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at some verses. Um, the first one is simply see the future. Understand, and I think this is very important for for whether whether you're a dad at home or a, a leader at your place of work or whether you're a pastor or even if you're... In school, you understand how that, what is happening today, how that affects what will happen tomorrow. Because, you know, as people, we tend to think that the future will be an extension of the past. That five years from now, ten years from now, it's going to look just, well, life's going to be the same. Well, wait a minute, stop and look back five years. Or, I love what Eli shared, and I think this underscores the message this morning and why this is so important. Because 52 years ago, you know, my dad was seven years old at that time. Um, You know, that's, I can't quite begin to, in my mind, wrap my mind around how long that is, Eli. Um, But what we see is that time changes. And he mentioned, you know, a number of older men that had been in leadership. And are they, is any of them still living? They're probably all passed away. And so today, here we are today. But it's not going to stay like this. It will not be like this in 10 years or 20 years down the road. We're going to have someone else will be in place. And so it's important to understand that we need to, it's important to understand how what we do today affects the future. And here's a verse in Proverbs. This is in the King James, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. And I, uh, I like how the New King James words it. it. says, where there is no revelation. And if you study that word vision, as I was looking at this, it has the idea of, the, the word vision has the idea of, of the, the, you know, the, the dream vision. God, a, a word from God. And so, where there is no word from God, where there is no understanding of what is to come, that the people perish. And so, we can see um in verse yeah in the in the first three verses of of our passage this morning Matthew 20 verses 17 18 and 19 what's Jesus doing he's he's telling his disciples what is happening he's telling his disciples what they're doing today what's going to happen and again we we see that in in Mark Eight. verses 27 and 33 I like, I like this passage I think uh, now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road he asked his disciples saying to them who do men say that I am so they answered John the Baptist but some say Elijah and others one of the prophets he said to them but who do you say that I am Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And we know why he told Peter, but and he in verse 32 there, he spoke this word openly. I, I understand to mean from, from now from this time forward, he began to speak and specifically teach the disciples what is going to happen in, in the future. We can go on in in Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus speaks of the end times. This is direction for us today. These are there's there's things in the gospels that have not happened yet we have instructions on what ha- what will come the second thing is engage and develop others and here again this is this is this is this is exactly what jesus did he he engaged and developed others we see in, uh, go back in the beginning of Matthew, in verse in, in chapter 4, verses 18, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in his ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him and then it says he and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. So the the ministry of Jesus consisted of engaging and 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 building up, developing people. Now, think about the passage that we read in in chapter 20 there when he told them what's going to happen and they immediately began to argue about who's going to be the greatest and he again stops and he tries another way to tell them what's going to happen. And After that, we know that Peter denied him and the others all ran away. They they still hadn't got But Jesus kept on. He he kept on trying to to, to build them up and to to develop them into the men that, that they needed to be in order to carry out his work. And there's many other verses we could look at. Third thing, reinvent continuously. And I'm not going to turn to any scripture here but think about the ministry of Jesus how he has the different methods that he used to engage and develop people he 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 worked miracles and he had private one-on-one conversations and he preached to thousands and he healed people and he he used you know if, if someone would would initiate a conversation. He would use that opportunity as a as a teachable moment, and there was many different ways that that Jesus would engage people. And so, the the idea here is that we use the opportunities that come our way, or that. In building relationships or in whether in your place of work that nothing stays the same and if you have maybe at at the workplace something you know we have processes and, and systems of how we do things and one of the you know one of the downfalls of a company per se is that those become concrete and we do things because that's how we've always done them and it's threatening to change. Well, change is inevitable. And so we need to, we need to initiate that change and look for ways to, to improve on the existing system that is in place. <coughs> Engaging people is fluid. If you're building relationships... There is no recipe, no one time secret recipe that, that works. Fourth thing is value relationships and results. And I, th- I think this is, this is very important. Um, this will be on the test. Uh, if you think about our personalities, I know some of you have done the DISC personality test and if you think about your personality or people that you know most of us because of our personalities we either we either value relationships more or we value results more and both of them are equally important I think if we look at what Jesus taught if we look at his life both of them, you need to build and develop relationships in order to achieve results. But if, if we look at how we relate together as people, our personalities, um, you know, if you're a relational person, your way of solving or fixing a problem is might be to sit down and, and talk about it. If you're a results-oriented person, There's no better way to fix a problem than go do it right now, this very minute. Get it done. And so the two often tend to conflict with each other. However, (coughs) if they work in harmony, and I'm going to speak, Charlene and I, I have Charlene's permission to share this, but we are, I'm more relational, she's more results-oriented. And earlier on in our marriage, that was fairly frustrating for me. I thought, <laughs> well, I mean, let's just get along, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> However, I've come to recognize that it's important to value results. And and the uh, the, the the friction that the two cause, if it is directed if it is understood and channeled in, in a good way, it, it is a powerful thing. And I think we see that in, in the life of Jesus. We've In Mark 12, this is where he's been asked about what is the greatest commandment. And he says, that this is talking about the second commandment, verse 31, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's very important that we, this is a commandment, that we value relationships with our neighbors. How about John 14, verse 15? If you love me, keep my commandments, which is, if you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me, hence you don't have a relationship. So you need to, because you say you love me, Show me some results. Show me your obedience. Show me your love for me by your obedience. So the two are not in conflict with each other, but they, if understood, they enhance each other. And so as people this morning, my challenge to you is, is recognize your bias. Recognize that as people, most of us, tend to be one way or the other more if you know where you're at and you you value both you can you can work with 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 the other and and through this because we we can work together we can we we lead like like Jesus did The last thing number five is embody the values. The four things that we've just talked about that is who Jesus was. That is not some that's not some textbook that he carried around that he would quickly pull out of his pocket and okay, I need to be relational here, or I need to oh, I better call another disciple no that's 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 who he was. And so as, as we look at what, you know, as we look at, um, as we look at seeing the future, this, you know, we think about, we should, our lives should be patterned around understanding what is to come and basing what we do today on that. And as we engage and develop people, same thing there. This should, this is, this becomes who we are and what we do and and uh, Jonathan, I just thought of, of you. Uh, can I share this, how you went to see Don Maynard? I, just a little story here. We all know, by the way, I think Jonathan is on the relational side and that's, appreciate that about you, Jonathan, and uh, Jonathan has shared here already about one of our customers at work that is a very good customer, and he's, he's a, an older, older gentleman, very interesting, always has some stories for us. And every once in a while, he even has one that's true, is, is what he tells us. This, this one's going to be true. And, uh, yeah, just a nice old fellow. However, he does not know the Lord, and he knows he doesn't know the Lord. And so, Jonathan has has taken the initiative to to build a relationship with him and and to, um, yeah, just just uh, befriended him. And and uh, a week or two ago, this gentleman was at at our uh, at work there, and he mentioned that uh, he's going to be having over the weekend. He's going to be having a birthday party for his 65th birthday, and. And and he invited Jonathan to come. He said, you're you're invited to come. Well, he lives in, in Denver, Indiana, which is, I don't know, an hour from here probably. And it's going to be at the Denver Community Building. And, and it starts at, you know, whatever, 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, whatever time it was in the evening, Saturday evening. And so um, Jonathan, bless his heart, he him and Wynne, and bless you guys for going with your dad. They went down there to, the, to his his uh, birthday party. And I know, I'm sure, really blessed this older man. And so I'm saying this simply to say that this is who Jonathan is. He embodies those values. That's, that's just who he is. <coughs> so also, we... Understand that, reinvent continuously. This is, um, you know, nothing stays the same forever. Value relationships and results, both are equally important. All of us have a bias towards one or another. And then embody the values. And when you do this, you serve like Jesus taught in, in our scripture. So, what I'd like to leave you with today, what, what I found in this passage is that is that leadership, upside-down leadership, serves people. This is why wherever you find yourself, you have the opportunity to lead. If you have an actual position of leadership, whether it's a parent, or a teacher, or a pastor, or a business leader, you are now, you now have a greater responsibility, not a position of power. I'd like to close with that. I have a word of prayer, and then Keith, would you close? Father, we thank you this morning that you have loved us, that you've blessed us. Father, we pray this morning that we could serve, we could love people the way that you do. Just pray that wherever we are, we could engage people and we could call them to you, Father, point them to you by the way that we interact and serve them. So Lord, I pray as we go from here that your grace and your love would be with us and that you would enable us to embody these values father just pray in jesus name amen